0: Welcome, lovely listeners. Welcome around the virtual campfire for the first in these short mini series on my heathenry. I'm your host around the virtual campfire. I'm Suzanne Martin and my co host is Kate. Say hello. Kate. Hello. hello, hello. So welcome around the virtual campfire. For these a short series of brief conversations with people about how they experience their faith, how they experience heathenry, what kind of things are important to them in a faith context. If you're a regular listener to the show, you'll know that one of the things that we say fairly frequently is we can't tell you how to heathen. And a a conversation with our, our first guest, who I will introduce in a moment, got us thinking that people express and experience heathenry in many many different ways and so that coupled with we can't tell you how to heathen is thinking and this mini series was the the result of that about how do modern heathens experience practice heathenry what parts of their faith and aspects of their faith are important to them and how maybe how different and how similar we really are. So this short series of of five very short conversations with heathens from around the world is starting with today's episode and today's first guest in the series, Ashlea from Georgia State. And we're gonna be talking to Ashlea just for a little while about the kinds of things that are important to her in her faith practice. And we're very glad, lovely listeners, that you could join us along the way. So, Ashlia, welcome around the virtual campfire. There is a biscuit tin around here somewhere. You might have to find no, there mellows. It's a <laughs> <laughs> Oh, all right. All right. <laughs> um, so, Ashlia, you are the editor of Throwing the Bones. You are a bone reader. And a spiritual advisor as well. Have I got that right? Yes, that is correct. Yeah? Okay. So in your own spirituality, what kinds of things are important to you? Well, first and
1: foremost, the ancestors are important to me. Um, as well as the Vitier, the gods and goddesses, communication between the realms, and also doing my part to keep Midgard clean and
0: safe for those of us here on it. So almost like a, a very broad awareness of the connections between people and realms and ancestors and us and spirits as well.
1: Yes, there's a big connection between the bones and and the ancestors a huge connection each time i get a new bone i i have an ancestral altar and each time i get a new bone i introduce the bone to the ancestors and get their blessing And by introducing the bone to the ancestors, I tell them how the bone spoke to me. And so when I I add it to my kit and when I'm doing my readings, the, the bones are actually the ancestors are speaking to me through the bones when I'm doing my readings. And that's the communication
0: between the realms as well. So you were talking there about having an ancestor altar. And when you get new bones that you place it for a time on that altar before you use it in your, in your practice, does that sort of ancestor altar, is that part of your everyday life Is How does the way you approach your faith blend into your everyday life?
1: Well, I do do tend to my ancestral altar every day. I give offerings. I also have an altar for the gods and goddesses, and I give offerings there every day. And then I have what I call a working altar. I don't use it every day, but I do use it frequently. Mm -hmm. And that's where I do bloats or what a lot of people would call feignings because I don't do actual sacrifices, but mm. um, I do, you know, I, with intention, it's more like ritual, you know, um, an offering w- with intent mm. for the uh, walking altar. Um, I go on hikes, um, and when I do, I leave offerings for the veteer the on um, I, you know, the, the, just little things like that. When, when I'm out and about, I see trash, I try to clean up, make Midgard a better place. Those are the biggest parts of my everyday practices.
0: Mm-hmm. So, sort of having dedicated time at those altars and also. Being very mindful of your faith when you're when you're outside and keeping those almost the ethics of that practice with you when you're going out into the on hikes or going out into the world and being able to try and make it a bit of a better place by doing things like picking up litter or tidying up as you go. Yes,
1: I try to. Always, I try to always be mindful. Mm. I do. And I like when I'm outside, before I start my hike, I like to ground and connect with nature as well. And then when I'm doing my, you know,
0: doing my hike, being mindful of everything around me. As your faith practice as it is now, it sounds very uh, like a big framework that your life kind of has with it. Has that always been the case. Um, how was your faith practice developed since you first began to follow this path?
1: <laughs> no, that has not always been the case. <laughs> no, that has not always been the case. I, um, when I first started, I have considered myself heathen for about seven years. I did not get deep into ancestral um, veneration until about five years ago when I started working with the bones. Mm. Yeah. So um, when I first started learning about Assetru, I was more focused on the gods than anything else. So where they were num- they were number one, where now they're number three. <laughs> and, um, okay, when I first started, it would have been the gods, the ancestors, the veteor. And now it's the ancestors, the veteor, and the gods. I knew nothing of mindfulness. That came from therapy, actually, to be honest with you. And it just heightened my perception and made my connection to my faith stronger, I felt. Mm. It has has changed a, a great deal in the past
0: seven years. Yes, it has. It sounds like it's developed that sort of shift of where your focus is that at the beginning, like many of us, at the beginning, there's that focus on the gods. But then for you, through working with the bones and developing that, that mindfulness, that focus, it's now very much on the ancestors and those connections. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So thinking about ancestor veneration and osteomancy, that uh, being a bone reader, can you tell us a little bit about how those resonate for you? Well,
1: it's really hard to to put into words any more than what, what I've said. It's, I've tried different ways of communications between the realms. Runes, cards, different things. But the bones just spoke to me immediately. I mean, I, I just picked them up immediately. And it's like everything has a spirit whether it's living or not everything has a spirit well the bones were living they were a part of a living thing and they still have part of the spirit of that living thing but they had their own spirit as well and they they just talk to me. I, I don't. It's it's so hard to put into words, Suzanne. It really yeah. is. <laughs> but they they make me feel close to nature. Mm. I can hear my
0: ancestors
1: when I'm using them. To use your word, it's just connection.
0: Mm. Mm. And it, it feels from how you're talking that that's a really, that's kind of the central focus of your faith as it is at the moment.
1: Yeah, I, I, I believe you're right. Yeah, Connect, connection is very important to me and and um, very clearly a central focus,
0: yes. Maybe for our, our, our last kind of topic, our last question with you today, Do you have a favorite story from the myth cycle? And could you maybe say a little bit about why that one is your favorite one?
1: Well, um, I do have one. It's a wrenching from Neil Gaiman's Norse mythology, actually. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's his retelling. um, He calls it Loki's Children and for those that aren't familiar it's the one where the gods find out that loki had the three illegitimate children with agaveta and they go and bring the children to odin and he puts your into the ocean and Let's tear, raise, veneer, and he asks hell. What what she's more comfortable with, and she says she's more comfortable with the dead. So he sends her to Helheim. Mm-hmm. and the reason it resonates with me so much, I think, is because it. It shows that the gods are a lot like us. They have a lot of the same emotions we do. Odin showed compassion when he was talking to Hale and asked her what she wanted. When he let Tyr raise Fenrir, okay but he also showed fear when Fenrir grew and he had Fenrir bound Odin did that out of fear Hell showed feelings of she felt like she didn't belong with the living and um no I know I I've had feelings of like I didn't belong mm-hmm. Um Tyr showed feelings of love towards Fenrir, raising him like a son. Uh, Tyr also, when it came time for someone to put their hand in Fenrir's mouth, he showed loyalty and honor when he stepped up and did it himself knowing he was going to lose his hand so um you know so many different emotions in that one story Mm. that that the gods exhibited you know and that humans can relate to and that's why i like that one
0: Mm. yeah it is a lovely story and there are some very human emotions that that come through in the actions and the decisions that get taken i like that one as well so i wanted to say thank you to our very first guest around the virtual campfire for this short series on my heathenry ashley thank you very much for giving up your time to come and speak with us today thank you uh, and uh, telling us a little bit about your heathenry and what kinds of things are important to you if our lovely listeners want to come and find you as a bone reader is there somewhere that they can get in contact with you
1: yeah i have a uh
0: website it's mysticalawakenings.net. so mystical lovely um we will throw some links into the episode description so if you do want to connect with ashley and maybe look at engaging her services as a bone reader yeah you can connect to her there so ashley I thank you very much for spending a little bit of time with us around the virtual campfire today lovely listeners you can join us tomorrow for another episode with a, a very different take on heathenry thank you very much and we will talk to you then bye 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 bye